You're locked on to Hans Olsen and Scotty G. And it's time to kick off the show with a starting lineup. The two topics the guys are most passionate about. Presented by University of Utah Health. And now here's Hans Olsen, starter. So yesterday, Austin McChesney went to Twitter. And this seems to be kind of the norm with current day and age players is they're going to announce some of their own things on Twitter and on social media. In fact, I, I'm not positive on this, but it sure felt like Nick Emery made the decision to retire from basketball before he really talked to the department because the BYU media release came shortly after, but it said, as announced on Twitter today, uh, on his Twitter, or as he announced on his Twitter, and it just seemed like Nick Emery went ahead and announced his retirement. Well, Austin McChesney, a guy that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. He is a, a local high school product. He is a, a physical being at the corner. He had tremendous upside and at one point was viewed as as a very heavy, heavy potential starter in some of the upcoming seasons. Announced his retirement yesterday. Uh, this is what he had to say. He said, as many have heard, I've retired from football. As sad as it is. I'm so grateful for the opportunities I was given in the lifelong relationships I made. Thank you so much to Cougar Nation for all the love and support over the years. I pray my brother Jackson feels the same. Go Cougs. Now, his brother Jackson is a running back, and his brother Jackson just got back from a mission. He's another physical kid, and he'll he'll be in the mix. He's, he's probably not going to get the reps because of a couple of the transfers that we've talked about with Tyson Williams and then, of course, Lapini Katoa coming back. But he is a running back, and he's back at that university. So you got Austin McChesney, who's retiring, and then we know that Travion Green decided to transfer. Austin was a potential too deep. Travion was definitely a potential too deep, if not a starter. And so everybody's looking at it thinking, well, what does BYU have? What do they even have ready to go? Let me tell you what they have ready to go, and then I'll kind of give you my overall thoughts on the stability of the position after we get done through some of this. I believe the two starters are going to be D'Angelo Mandel, who's a sophomore. Um, This kid was, he, he came out of nowhere last year, had a lot of great moments, played in all 13 games, ended up with, I think it's six starts. If it's not six starts, it was five starts. But I think he had six starts last year. Towards the end of the year? Yeah, towards the end of the year. And really had some good moments and and showed some promise. The other guy that should be starting on the other side of the field is Dian Guanaloco. He's a senior. Everybody really knows about Dian at this point. He was Dian Lake, went to Dian Guanaloco. He's a physical kid, and Adrian, you know, I don't know if people were listening to this show. Maybe a month ago, I reported, um, oh, maybe it was two months ago, just as we were getting into spring football, I reported that Dan Guanajuato would be moving into safety, which he did do. He moved into safety. They wanted to look at him and potentially Troy Warner, along with Austin Lee and some of these other guys I'll talk about here in just a minute, at safety. Well, at this point, with corner depth issues, you take Mandel and Guanaloco and you try to get them the starting reps and make them the starting corners at this point. A couple of the other options that you're going to get, you've got Dimitri Gallo. He's a junior college transfer. He comes from uh, Mount San Juan College. He's a, 
he's a raw talent. He's got a lot of upside, but he'll work in there. Another guy is a redshirt freshman named Isaiah Heron. Um, he uh, he played in four games last year. He saw some time against Wisconsin. He's played some significant minutes. I'm just looking at his bio here, and he's done a couple of good things, so he could work in potentially as the two deep. You've got a, an extremely raw talent, and I was actually talking with uh, somebody very close to the BYU program today, and he talked to me about George Udo, who's a kid out of California, and he's only played uh, a couple of years. So he's I, th- I think he's got two years of experience in the game, and he's just an up-and-coming, really special physical talent that the coaches hope that they can refine and get out on the field. Um, outside of that, there's one other name that I haven't heard anybody talk about. And, Adrian, you might remember it's Jamal Willis's son. His name is Shimon Willis. He was a corner and a basketball player at Westlake, ended up signing a full-ride scholarship to Weber State two years ago, decided to transfer, went to BYU, sat out last year, and he's just a hair under six foot, I believe, and he has had a tremendous offseason, and he is ready to go for BYU's fall camp. Shamal Willis is a guy that, you know, maybe two weeks, three weeks in, maybe he can make some headway. As of right now, he's a transfer. He's kind of an unknown. Uh, and, and he's not a total unknown because Gennaro Guilford, who's the corners coach at BYU, he's very familiar with Jamal um, Willis. No, you know, obviously knows the family. Jamal was a fantastic running back at BYU. So he knows Jamal. Local kid, looks like. Yeah, local kid out of Westlake. And, and it really is a, is a, is a special product. I didn't. I couldn't understand why BYU didn't originally offer him a full ride. He ended up at Weber State, like I mentioned, to start his his college career, but then made the transfer. I was talking with a, a BYU insider today, and he said, "You really got to watch out for for Shaman Willis." So, outside of the names that I've mentioned, possibly Shaman. The other thing we talk about is Ed Lamb and Gennaro Guilford the safeties and corners coach at BYU. A couple of guys that are really solid in development. We know that Ed Lamb is a great coach. What he did with Southern Utah, um, the, the factory he produced there, and he had a couple of DB draft picks out of Southern Utah before he ended up at BYU. Now he works with safeties. He's the assistant head coach and does a lot of other things at BYU. And then you got Gennaro Guilford, <clears throat> who's been the corners coach there since Kalani, since Kalani arrived, and does a really good job. Janero is one of my teammates. He played at BYU with me. Um, he, I think he was one year younger than me. Did a lot of things. But I, I really respect his coaching ability. So I hope that he can get these guys ready. One other aspect of these corners that I'll mention before I move on to the safeties. This year, and I think moving forward to a, a certain extent, you know, Adrian, one thing – one thing that you and I and everybody else that has evaluated college football in the state understands very well is Kalani Satake and Elisa Tuiaki, the, the head coach and defensive coordinator at BYU, have always played a physical press style brand of corner. 
they they need very fast corners that can hit and recover on a quick receiver if they need to recover. I we may because of the lack of depth and the lack of of physicality and lack of talent because you you are dealing with injury issues. I don't think we'll we still have a while to watch to see if Wilcox comes back who would be a starter at BYU, but he's still dealing with an injury. And as of right now, I'm not counting on Wilcox to give me anything. So, you know, at this point, you can't count on Wilcox. Troy Warner, we're, we're still waiting to see him in camp. Number one, first thing I do tomorrow is take a look and see if I see Troy Warner and how he's playing because you're going to need him as some depth at safety, potentially even some depth at corner. Um, I think that they're going to play a slightly different brand of corner. That's not going to switch up their defense. I just think that they're going to ask them to filter the receivers more than they're going to ask them to press receivers. And then you're going to look for help from your safety group because I believe that you've got a really solid safety group. This is what I expect to see from safeties. Austin Lee is probably your best defensive back. And he'll be playing safety. Your second best defensive back is probably Dianguana Local. Your third is probably Sawyer Powell. And he's going to start opposite of Austin Lee. So your safety should be Austin Lee and Sawyer Powell. So Troy Warner, in your mind, has kind of dropped down in that I think level. Troy is working back from injury. From his injury, yeah. And I think Troy is going to work back to be depth and not starter. Um, I, I like Austin Lee and I like Sawyer Powell and, and I might even like Malik Moore as much as Troy Warner and Malik Moore is healthy and ready. So th- that's really the fill I get for the safety position. Having Austin Lee as your best DB, trying to filter into him, allow him big hits and then get him up for some of the run support. I, I think that the DB, DB situation, it's... It's not as good as it was a couple of months ago. Before Travion Green decided to transfer back in early June, before McChesney announced his retirement, um, before we really had a depth of understanding of how injured Warner and Wilcox were, the DB situation looked pretty good at BYU. Pretty deep, some good starters, some good talent. It looks a little thinner now. But you're still going to develop guys, and you're still getting an opportunity to put these guys out there. And so, Adrian, if I were to give the defensive backfield, in fact, you know what, I'll split it up and I'll go corners and safeties. Right now, I would grade the corner personnel at a C-plus to B-minus. Probably leaning more C-plus than B-minus. I would grade the safeties at a B-minus to a B. Just to give people an understanding of of where I'm at. That's if Jalen Johnson is he's an A plus. Right. Julian Blackman is probably a A minus, probably more of a B plus at safety, not a corner, but at safety. Uh, Javelin Guidry probably an A minus to an A. I would say that that defensive backfield for Utah is probably a solid A. 
maybe just between an A minus and an A. That's okay. So understand that's kind of the grading. And I'm not doing that on conference. I'm doing that on on national perspective and just looking at talent. I'd say that BYU's corner depth is a C plus, and I would say that their safety is a B minus, somewhere in there. So they've got some good talent. They got some guys that can get some things done, and you just hope that they can find some help from Warner. I'm I'm more hopeful for Warner than I am Wilcox at this at this point uh, for him to return. So I'll, I think what people BYU fans would be asking is what the depth's going to look like. How deep can they go in that first four weeks, and can they get some of those guys you mentioned up to depth? Um, well, I, yeah, I think they can because I think Isaiah Heron, he's a, a He's still a young kid, but he does have some. He does still have some game experience, so that's a guy that you can work depth with. Uh, you, you hope you keep your fingers crossed that Warner can be healthy, and that'll add some depth. I, I do know that they've got some high expectations for Dimitri Gallo, the the junior college transfer I mentioned. So, <clears throat> as far as depth, I would go. D plus C minus, you know, it's not it's not exceptional, but there there is some personnel to work with, and then if Shimon Willis can come along and be something that was not expected, then that could be a real help to BYU's defensive backfield. I'm sorry for the, uh, you know, sometimes I get going a little bit too deep, and I'm sure that a lot of people just tune out because. It gets a little bit too much of a breakdown. But, you know, we are right here on top of camp start. And some of these position breakdowns are probably pretty important. Oh, man, I, I love this stuff. Do That's you? why I'm glad to be sitting in. I was telling you the other day, I can't even watch football anymore. I just watched the two oh, lines man. go at it, the offensive and defensive lines. And then, oh, wait, someone scored. Oh, so. dude, I, Adrian, I cannot wait for this game right out of the gates with BYU and Utah in the trenches. Uh, I would say it's crazy because both sides have an advantage. BYU's offensive line, very good, and has has a has, has a nice offensive line. Now they're going against an extremely good defensive line. I, I would say the second best defensive line in the country, right behind Alabama and right before Clemson. Like they're just that good, and uh, and then I would say that that. Uh, Utah's offensive line has some real developmental issues. <clears throat> you need guys like Kaios Tonga and Latea and and Trajan Peely to really get their bearings, and Devin Kafusi to get their bearings on the defensive line, and they could try, try to take advantage of that on the on the offensive front for Utah. But I just think that Utah's got so many answers. Um, with now they've picked up an extra blocking tight end, you know that transfer tight end, the six six two hundred and sixty pound kid. Uh, they're they're going to have really good solid chip blocking out of the backfield with Moss. Um, you're going to be able to do some things and protections to try to help that Utah offensive line. But our trench play in that opener on both sides is going to be a lot of fun to watch. <clears throat> we'll get more into the breakdown, and uh, I'll, I'll take a look at every position group. At least I'll try to take a look at every position group like I did the corners and safety position group with BYU coming up here 